Well, good morning. Welcome. Glad to have you here with us. For those of you watching from home, glad to have you here with us as well. Just a couple of announcements before we uh, transition into the children's message with Laura LaBob. A uh, couple of things I just want to point out to you. First of all, um, please know that we are excited to have you back on site. Um, but we also really want to ask that you would take a moment to register. And it's not that we want you to just do one more thing. We're, we're asking you to register so that we can keep track of how many people want to come back. And so even if it's full, please sign up under the services full box so that we can, we can see. And the, the good news is next week we are going to add a service uh, for the CAC. So next week, services are going to be at 8 for the, for the traditional service. And then we're going to have a 9 o'clock service. And then we're going to have an 11 o'clock service. So if you come for 10.30, you'll be really early. If you come at 10.30 next week and you want to go to the 9 o'clock, you're going to miss it. <laughs> so, so 8, 9, and 11. The reason why we had that span is so we can have time to clean this place between services. Okay, so just heads up on that. Also, um, as we did last week, um, please, when we uh, close with the final song, after that final song is over, um, we have sections one, two, three, and four. We're going to ask that section one go first when they're done, section two when they're done, section three, and then section four. Okay, so thank you for your patience on that. <clears throat> um, one last thing, as a member, even as a visitor of Royal Redeemer, uh, if you have at some point given us your email, uh, you will receive an email invitation to our new information system called Realm. Uh, if you want, you can go to our website today and you can just kind of, you know, browse it and check this out, check it out, check out Realm because there's a link to it. Um, once you receive your email invite, read the instructions carefully. I would encourage you to print them out because there's a, a, just a list of instructions and you probably won't remember once you go to that screen, oh, what was the third step, okay? It's pretty intuitive, it's pretty simple, but you might want to do that or take a screenshot of it just so you have those directions with you. Um, plus, as an added incentive, any one of you, and again, you're just updating your profile. Okay, so you're just taking to make sure your information is accurate, that all the people that you call your family are there, uh, phone numbers are up to date. If you have a landline still listed and you haven't had a landline for years, please update that so that we can have that updated information as well. So we're asking you to update your information. Uh, as an added incentive, anyone claiming their profile by February 16th will be entered into a drawing to win one of five Brew Garden gift cards. They're so $25 each. It'll... Well, we'll just let you use your imagination how you want to use that. But please, you know, help us out. I appreciate that. All right. Um, that's all the announcements for right now. Would you just open with a word of prayer? Let's, let's pray. Almighty God, we thank and praise you for this opportunity to be present in your place, in your presence. Lord God, I pray that you would allow us to offer up the, the worship and the adoration and the praise that is rightfully yours. Bless this time of worship, Lord. We dedicate it to you. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I'm going to invite Laura LaBob up here, and she's going to share a message with the kiddos. Hey, hey. Uh, good morning, Royal Redeemer. It's great to be with you guys this morning. We have a special message for kiddos this morning, so wave at me, Redeemer kids who are with us on campus today, and also our Redeemer kids who are joining us online. And of course, grown-ups, you guys are welcome to join in too as we learn more about who God is and who he made us to be. Now, I brought something with me from my house today. Do you guys recognize this toy? Yay! 
Yes, it is a part of a potato head. We've got a little star student up here. <laughs> it's a part of a potato head, but he is missing some pieces. So I brought some pieces with me today. Now we're talking about worshiping God today, and we're going to learn about how we can worship God with our whole bodies, or in Mr. Potato Head's case, his whole spud. <laughs> so which one do you think is better for worshiping God? A smiley mouth or a tongue sticking out? Smiley mouth. Great. We'll put this in Mr. Potato Head. But does he look like a whole potato head now? No, he's missing pieces. So sometimes when we think about worshiping God, we think about maybe what we just did when we used our voices to praise God. But this doesn't make up a whole spud. Singing to God is just part of our worship. Now, I've got something here. What's this? Yeah, his feet and his legs. How do you think we could use our feet and our legs to worship God? Maybe God is calling us to go help a friend. We could walk over to a friend who's maybe by themselves. Or maybe when we grow up, God might be calling us to use our feet and our legs to go on a mission trip, right? Or maybe it's even controlling our legs sometimes. I don't know about you guys, but I have a little brother, and he's always been a kicker. When he get mad, he just stick his little leg out and kick someone. But is that how we worship God? No, right? But we can use our legs to worship God. What about, what are these? Eyeballs. Eyeballs. How do you think we can use our eyes to worship God? We could, yeah, yeah, what can we do? We could read his word, right? And also we could look out for what we're watching, right? Because there are some things, right, that are scary or maybe not very good for our eyes to see. And so we can use our eyes to worship God, and also to be on the lookout for others. What are these? Hands and arms. How do you guys think we could use our hands and our arms to worship God? Eating. (laughs) We could enjoy God's creation with our hands, right? We could also help other people with our hands, right? By, By doing acts of service for them, maybe by cleaning up our rooms for our moms, maybe by praying with our hands to God, or maybe by lifting up our hands in worship. There are lots of ways to praise God with our hands. What about our ears? What, how could we worship God with our ears? Yeah, hear stuff, right? Right now, you guys are using your ears to worship God by listening to his word at church, right? And when we listen to our moms and dads and obey that listening commandment that God gave us where we honor our moms and dads, that's also using our ears to worship God. Now, there's one more thing in here. It's a nose. Does anyone have a nose that looks like this? No, I don't see any noses like this. Of course, we're all wearing masks, so I don't see noses at all. But Mr. Potato Head has a very silly nose. Can any of you guys wiggle your nose? I don't think I can wiggle mine, really. Right? But how do you think we could use our nose to worship God? I don't really know. I haven't thought of one other than we could smell his creation, right? We could enjoy the wonderful scents that God has given us of flowers and things. (sighs) What about our Mr. Potato Head now? He looks pretty good, right? We can use our whole bodies to worship God and to celebrate who he is and what he has done for us. But do you guys think we're always going to worship God perfectly? No. Do you guys think that sometimes we're going to forget to worship God with our whole bodies? Yes. And that's why we can be thankful that God gave us the cross. That on the cross, God gave us his whole body, right? When he died for our sins. 
and that he forgives us even when we don't do a great job of worshiping him perfectly, right? But God also gave us his Holy Spirit, which helps us to praise God, and that's really cool. All right, you guys, let's pray together. Dear God, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for giving us a heart for worship, God, that we would praise you for everything you've done and everything you are. God, we pray that you would help us to praise you with our whole selves and that you would guide us and lead us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so we are continuing in a series that we began a couple weeks ago called Be the Church. And the goal of this series is pretty simple and straightforward. We, we, we're really encouraging you th to think of the word church not so much as a building that you go to or as an event or activity that you attend, but rather as a way for you to be. And so two weeks ago, we looked at how we can be the church through our story, right? We talked about how just in a normal, everyday conversation, we can tell people how um, God has been at work in our life, how he can be at work in their life, and the goal is to plant that seed that the Holy Spirit might use to, to draw them closer to Jesus. And then last week, we talked about how we can be the church through a life of integrity, how seriously, the way we act the words that come out of our mouths, the decisions that we make, how all of that can influence those people around us and it has the potential to point them to Jesus too. Today, I want to look at how we can be the church through our worship. Now, just a point of a clarification. When you hear the word worship, I don't want you to simply think of it as that time that we give to God on the weekend. It's kind of like what Jamie said a moment ago. Any of you guys remember how many minutes there are in a week? 10,080, that's right. There are 10,080 minutes in a week, 10,080. So what I don't want you to do when you hear the word worship, I don't want you to shrink worship down to just those 60, 70, 80 minutes on the weekend. I want you to think of worship involving those other 10,000 minutes of the week as well. All right, so I'm, I'm going to ask you to think of your life as one long, nonstop, continuous act of worship. I want you to think of worship as a lifestyle. Now, if you're looking for an example of somebody who made worship a lifestyle, no, look no further than Jesus, right? I mean, nobody did it. Nobody did worship better than Jesus. In John 8, verse 29, Jesus says, The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. So for Jesus watching at home, those of you sitting here with me, it wasn't situational, it was relational. It was a relationship that he had with his heavenly father. And the result is found in the next verse. Look at this. It says, even as he spoke, many put their faith in him. So as Jesus lived a life of worship, other people saw it and they wanted it too. They wanted that same loving relationship with God too. And here's where I'm going with all of this. When we are the church 
And we make our life this one nonstop act of worship, no breaks. Then people will see that as well. And the goal is that they're going to sit up and take notice and they're going to want to know why and we can tell them why. Now to help us with that, because this is not something that just comes naturally to you or me. What I'd like to do is look at the life of Jesus. Again, he did it perfectly. But we have all kinds of examples in the life of Jesus. And what I like to do is pull from his life during his earthly ministry several principles, a number of principles that we can take and apply in our lives so that we can be the church through our worship. Okay? So first, to be the church and to make worship a lifestyle, you want to be willing to sacrifice your plan for God's plan. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane before he was nailed to the cross... And crucified for our sins. Jesus sacrificed his plans for God's plan. In Matthew 26, Jesus says, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Jesus is saying, Father, if there's any other way that I can save this world, I'm open to it. But if this is your plan, that's okay too. Because I don't want my plan, I want your plan. And that was an act of worship. And that act of worship impacted, of course, the world, right? I mean, obviously, if Jesus had not set aside his plan and, and followed God's plan and the cross, well, then nobody would have been saved. Nobody would have enjoyed God's grace. Nobody would have had their sins forgiven. Nobody would get to go to heaven, but thankfully, Jesus did go to the cross so that you, me, and everyone everywhere are able to enjoy his mercy and blessings through faith. So to be the church and to live a life of just nonstop worship, I think it's important we recognize one of those steps of living a life of worship is to be a sacrificer. Like to be a sacrificer like Jesus, to be willing to sacrifice or replace our plans and desires for God's plans and desires. And I know that might sound easy enough, but it requires an attitude adjustment on our part. Psalm 51 verse 17 says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. So to become a sacrificer for God's plan you need to be willing to replace your pride. Okay, the pride says, I'm going to do things my way. With, you're going to have to replace that with a broken spirit and attitude that says, I'm going to do things God's way. You need to be willing to replace you know, the selfish language that says, I know better, with language that says, Lord, you know better. So to be the church... Okay, and that's what we're looking to do, to be the church and to make our life just this one long continuous act of worship. It's important for us to understand that part of that means being willing to take our plans and set them aside for God's plan. Okay, so far so good. Principle number two, we also need to be willing to put and value God's opinion over everyone else's. So not only set aside your plan, but what everybody else says is a good plan. You always want to keep God first. And Jesus, again, as our example, did that. He never allowed the opinions of other people to intimidate him or to influence him. In fact, even the religious leaders of the Jews, they saw that. They noticed it. And in Mark 12, verse 14, they say, You aren't swayed by men. You pay no attention to who they are. But you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. So, you know, Jesus did not cave in to the pressure of his critics. 
He simply faithfully followed his father's will. And the result was that it freed him up to, of course, show love and concern to those in need. Why? Because it didn't matter to him what other people thought. The only thing that mattered was what his heavenly father thought. So, again, to be the church, right? We, we want to be able to ignore, we, we need to ignore what the world says is important, ignore those values, and listen solely to God's voice. Because when we do that, it'll free us up too. It'll free us up to, to be loyal to Christ under pressure. It'll free us to be a servant or a leader. It'll free us up to, to be his messenger, to be used by him. It'll free us up to be the church. And again, people will sit up and they'll notice that. They'll, they're going to want to know, why are you acting that way? Paul says in Galatians 1 verse 10, Am I trying to win the approval of men or of God? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. Paul is saying that to be the church, you cannot blend what God values with what the world values. Right? Either you're going to value what God says and you're going to reflect that in your character and conduct or you're going to value what everybody else says. But you cannot do both. When I was in high school, I did not understand that. I, so when I was with my, academic, my, I'm sorry, my athletic friends, I would act like an athlete. When I was with my academic friends, I would act real smart. When I was around cute girls, I'd act real cool. <laughs> that never worked. But my point is that I was always trying to change myself to, to fit in. I was trying to change who I was to fit in with the people I was with. And here's the good news. As a Christian, as part of Christ's church, you don't have to do that. You don't have to worry about what other people think. You don't have to worry about fitting in. You are already acceptable and secure in God's love through faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior. So to be the church and make your life this one long continuous act of worship... Don't just set aside your plans for God's plan. Make sure you put God's opinion above everybody else's as well. Third, you also want to understand your place. Jesus, as our example, understood his place. Jesus came to this earth 2,000 years ago, and he understood that he did not come to be king and lord over all. He came to be what? A servant, right? The savior of the world. Philippians 2, Paul says, Christ Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. Jesus understood his place, that he had to humbly serve us, that he had to be faithfully obedient for us, and he had to do it all the way to the cross. He understood that in his place, in God's story, God's plan, that he was to sacrifice in his life and die so that we might be forgiven and live. He understood it in God's eyes. The higher position is really the lower position. And that's what Jesus taught his disciples. In Luke 14, Jesus says, Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So understand your place with God. Why? Because it just makes being the church that much easier. It makes it so much easier for you to, to be a servant, to be humble, to be obedient. You understand your place. God's a creator. We're just the creatures. And when we get that, it makes our life a life of worship. 
It just makes it that much easier. And again, people are going to sit up and notice. They're going to say, why are you being so kind all the time? How come you're always so generous? Why are you always so thoughtful? And you can tell them why, right? Because I love and worship a God who served me first. Fourth principle is that you also need to be willing to value and deepen your relationship with God. Jesus did that. He valued his relationship with his heavenly father. He valued the opportunity he had to deepen it, taking time with his father in prayer. And there were times, of course, when, when, his, um, when, when Jesus would um, pray to his heavenly father in our behalf, asking that we would enjoy a deeper relationship with God, our heavenly father. In John 17, verse 3, Jesus says, Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Right? Jesus wants all of you, all of you watching right now, he wants us to know Jesus, to love him, and to trust him. He wants us to, to value our relationship with him. He wants us to deepen our walk with him so that we can have this personal, intimate relationship with him, a relationship that other people will see. It'll be obvious to them, right? I mean, if you are in a significant relationship with somebody special, people will know that. It's just, you know, they'll see the way you interact with each other, the way you talk to each other and treat each other, they'll just say, yep, that person matters to you. As a follower of Jesus, it should just be obvious to the people around you that you are in a relationship with Jesus Christ. It should be obvious. It, they, they should see his, uh, his presence in you. They should see it in, in what you say and do. In Philippians 3, Paul says, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. We just sang about this verse, that last song. Paul goes on, he says, I consider them rubbish, garbage, that I may gain Christ. You will always, always make time for what is most important to you. You will. So when you value your relationship with Christ, when you seek to deepen that relationship with Christ by taking time to get into his word and talk to him in prayer throughout the day, every day, folks, that's worship. That's being the church. Fifth principle. You also want to be willing to take risks for God. Taking risks is not something that we do naturally. So you have to be intentional in doing that. You have to be willing to go all in with that. Um, and Jesus explains that in Mark 8. He says, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. My wife Carla and I are uh, looking to invest for our future retirement. And if you've done any investing, you know there are different uh, options that are available to you, right? I mean, you can take a very conservative approach. You can take a more aggressive approach. Or you can take more of a moderate approach. Hear me. Listen to me. Being the church, investing yourself spiritually. The Bible says there's only one approach, and it's being aggressive and that, of course, means taking risk. And that, of course, means sometimes being afraid. But here's the good news. God is bigger than your fears. He is bigger than your fears. When my three children were, were young, I mean, like three, four, five years of age, my wife and I would take them to the lake, which was very close to our house, or even if we were at a pool, just to kind of get them acclimated to um, the water 
I'd be in the water, I'd, they'd be up on the dock or on the side of the pool, and I'd have my hands up there, and I'd say, jump. And what always amazed me is that even though they were scared, you could see them shaking, and you, know, you could see it in their eyes, they're terrified, but they would jump. Why? Because my presence was bigger than their fear. And after they did it a couple of times, they're like, that was fun, let's keep doing it. God is bigger than your fear. God is bigger than any fear you may be facing right now. How many of you believe that? Raise your hand. Yeah. So then if that's the case, if you believe that, then let me just ask you, what risk might God be asking you to take so that your life is a life of worship? I mean, maybe he's asking you to allow your faith to come out more in those regular conversations that you have with your neighbor or a friend. Or a family member. That can be risky. Maybe it's just standing squarely in Christ's camp. I'm not budging. Maybe it's walking away from what the world says and and holds up as important. And focusing instead on on what God says important is important. Whatever the case, remember that God is bigger than your fear. In in Hebrews 10 verse 39, it says, We are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. No, no. We are those who believe and are saved to be the church. Don't simply be a worshiper of God. Be willing to be a risk taker for God. All right, number six, you also want to be willing to yield timing and results to God. This is, an, a, st- this is a step of faith. It means that you're going to trust that God has a plan for your life, and that plan is the best plan. And I know that, that we get that, But that can be hard at times, especially when you are in a disparate situation. Kind of like the father in John 4. It's a story in the Bible about this royal official whose son is dying, and he wants Jesus to heal his son now. But as you read the story, you'll see that Jesus is looking for belief before offering relief. In John 4, 49, it says, The royal official said, Sir, come down before my child dies. That father was asking for Jesus to answer his prayer the same time in the same way that we ask Jesus to answer our prayers, right? We, right now. But I, and Jesus did heal his son. But understand, there are going to be times when God may want to lead you to belief before offering you relief. To get you to yield the timing and the results to him. And and when you can, that's an act of worship. Again, it's hard. I'm not saying this is easy. Especially if you're dealing with a difficulty in your marriage or in your family or in your financial situation or with your job outlook or in your health or the health of a loved one. It can be hard. I get that. But here's where God says, in spite of that, I want you to focus on the fact that you can trust me. God wants you to know that you can trust him and safely yield everything in your life to his timing and his results. And God offers us this incredible promise. In Psalm 50, verse 15, he says, Call upon me in the day of trouble, I will deliver you. What a great promise. But I think we need to understand what that means. What that means is that God decides to offer relief right now, it will come right now. If God decides to bring relief to you three weeks from now, it's going to come three weeks from now. Does that make sense? If he says it's going to happen a couple years down the road, guess when relief is going to come? A couple years down the road. 
Maybe God isn't going to bring any relief because he's got a different plan. I don't know. All I know is that if we're going to be the church and we want to, and if we want to make our life a nonstop act of worship, and I really believe we want to do that too, understand that part of that, part of that means trusting God and yielding the timing and the results to him. Last principle means that you also be, are willing to be passionate for Jesus. And, and by that I mean not just passionate for him, but for those people for whom he died. Right? Jesus demonstrated tremendous energy and passion for all people everywhere through the cross. Paul says it this way, 2 Corinthians 5.15, Christ died for all that those who live should not live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. You know, there are certain events, aren't there? Certain events that are just going to change the course of your life. No event in all of history has changed the lives of the people of this planet more than the cross of Jesus Christ. Nothing. His sacrifice in our behalf, his willingness to take the punishment that we deserve for all of our failures and mistakes and poor choices and acts of rebellion, his willingness to shed his blood so that we can be forgiven and saved, that is an incredible act of passion. Being the church, being the church, and, and, and seeking to live this nonstop life of worship means that we are just as passionate. Paul says it this way in Romans 12, 11, He says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. So when it comes to being passionate for Jesus, and in, that means being passionate for others, we ought to be like, bring it on. Bring it on, Jesus. Bring it on. So what does that look like? Let me share with you what Paul says it looks like to be passionate for others. Verse 12, he says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. When the Holy Spirit transforms your passion for Jesus into a passion for others, that's being the church. And that's what, look, that's what living a life of worship looks like. So let me just close with a couple of ways to challenge you this week so that you can succeed in being the church through a nonstop life of worship. First, I want to just remind you to ask God to help you make worship a lifestyle. Right? Remember, you don't want to reduce worship to just those 60, 70, 80 minutes of your life. You want those, that worship to flow into the other 10,000 minutes of your week. Second, recognize worship as a part of your relationship with God. It's not situational. It's not this. I mean, this is part of our worship, but our worship is everything, right? It's, it's, a re- it's not situational. It's a relationship. And it's a relationship we should value and deepen, and, and it should be obvious. It should be obvious to the people around us so that they see, and they're like, I want that too. And you can tell them how. And then the third thing is to look for ways to connect with God throughout the day, to deepen that relationship. Take time every day, maybe multiple times, to just listen to God talk to you through his word. Certainly take time throughout the day every day to talk to him in prayer. But connect with him like that so that as the church, we will realize that worship, okay, worship isn't just a compartment of our life. It is our life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you laid down your life for us on the cross. And you did that so as to change the way we do life. 
today and every day. Thank you for your example on how to make worship a lifestyle. Empower us now by your spirit that we might become the people you created us to be, to be your church. And then bless us, Jesus, so that by being the church, we might be able to impact those people around us through our life of worship. We love you, and we pray this in your great and holy name. Amen.